start the podcast. Let's start the podcast. This is us starting the podcast. We have started the podcast. Welcome to the pod. So uh, this is Forensics Faces for anybody who didn't realize what they downloaded on their phone. (laughs) Welcome. Or if you're like me and you have a queue that just kind of keeps filling up and you go through. Yeah. um, Guess what you're listening to now. It's us. It's us. It's Kurt and Melissa. Melissa and Kurt. So we are um, really excited today because we are going to be joined by some special guests later in the episode. Uh, We're going to be joined by Nicole Wanzer Serrano of the NSDA and the legendary Hall of Fame coach from Holy Ghost in New Orleans, Mr. Byron Arthur. But before we do that, we're going to do our recap of our week and the tournament we just went to. So how was your week? It was... Uh, stressful. I got new interns at work and new interns are always interesting. Putting the inter in interesting are my interns. But hopefully once they're settled, they will make my life easier because right now all they do is make my life harder. I think that's actually the function of interns. I wish it wasn't. How was your week? Uh, My week was mostly productive and good, and I didn't miss any days of work from being sick or having to go to conferences, so I just sat at my desk and got things done, and by the end of the week felt like I had accomplished something. Congratulations. So so that's good. Um, I also had a lot of practices with forensics kids this week. They are doing a pretty good job of filling up my schedule, but at the same time, I had at least one kid every day no show because they were staying home sick and mm-hmm. forgot to let me know about it and forgot to take their name off the sign-up sheet so somebody else could take their time. So we are in, we're in that season. We are in cold and flu season in Wisconsin. And now that I don't have it anymore, I'm like really judgy about the people who do. It's really unfortunate that our like public speaking, like tournament season is also during the season of the year that everyone gets really ill. It's super inconvenient. We should really talk about that. Yes. At the spring meeting, I would like to discuss us not competing in wintertime. Hope everyone's ready for it. I, I really hope you remember the last time we tried to change the calendar in Wisconsin. Lol. We didn't even we didn't even try to change it. We just tried to have a discussion about it. It, it did, not did not go, go well. well. So don't make changes. Change is bad. Change ah, is the worst. Ah, change. Ah, never. Um, so... Yeah. So let's just talk. Uh, it's like apparently nothing interesting happens in our personal lives outside of. Yeah, at least not. Well, I mean, it's forensic season, so there's no such thing as my personal life going mm-hmm. on right now. It's just like me fitting in forensics and me like I've been we've been doing the thing where students are sending me videos. I'm sending them feedback, which is going OK. And now it's just the stress of like our CFL qualifier moved up in the season. And mm-hmm. so now normally this is the point in the season where we start talking about CFL qualifiers and working on pieces. But now like. We're already so deep in it. And I find it incredibly stressful. Yeah, it's two weeks. Two weeks from today. As they say in the Midwest. We have to do that. Oofta. Oof, yeah. Oh, they do say that in the Midwest. Yes. So, yeah. We went to Sun Prairie yesterday. Did we? It I was, did not see the sun while we were there, so I had no idea. I was going to say, it was one of those fun forensics days where you left in the dark and came home in the dark. What a and delight. We got to see sunlight through windows. Mm-hmm. But only for as, a little bit. And as we were walking to and from the vehicles, and that was about it. But we go to Sun Prairie because it's an excellently run tournament by Mr. John Peschel and Mr. Elliot Fisher mm-hmm. and um, their entire crew at Sun Prairie um, who do 
Such a great job. I always forget the gentleman's name, so I'm sorry, but it's Leanne and Annalisa are the other are the two yep. women, but I never remember the gentleman's name because his name is not on their tournament invite. No, well, I, that's that's Jason. Jason, the guy there we go. Yeah, um, who I believe is romantically connected to one of the two uh, the ladies, ladies. There we go. So he is like my John <laughs> obligated to show up and help Yay. and does a really great job. And the, yeah, the is tournament a is delight. It's their so whole, efficient. Their it's, whole team is really a delight. I would like to see them get in a fight someday. That would be really Because fun. I bet that would be amusing to watch. Oh yes. That'd be the kind where, where like if you walked in on it, you would wiggle your fingers together and then sit down and, and <laughs> that's then, what you would do. That's what I would do. And then I would, <laughs> and then I would, that would turn to the nearest person and be like popcorn and then just wait. I'm also like doing the holding a mug of something gesture, but sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I also just want to point out that you said turn to the nearest person and then shout popcorn. Yeah. So that means you got like the closest person just got shouted at. Uh, you you know me. I do. I, yeah. All I do is shout, 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 no matter what. But um, yeah. So I mean, as far as the tournament was concerned, everything ran really smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some weather. Some weather happened. There was a little bit of weather. Just a little bit of weather. So uh, John and Elliot really did everything they could to move things along as quickly as possible. Um, and they were fretting about it towards the end of the day because so they cute. thought they hadn't moved it along quickly enough. When, in fact, we were still walking out of the door before 3.30, which for us who had a two hour, more than two hour drive because of the weather, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, everything just went Really, really well. I, I got to judge around in the morning and then was in the tab room for the rest of the day. You got to judge how many rounds? I judged. Well, I was scheduled for two rounds and then they needed to judge for th- for third round. So Elliot walked to the the tab, like the lounge area, and I made eye contact with him. And that therefore then signed me up to judge yep. the third round. And then power round, I just inserted myself into the tab room. Yeah. <laughs> I just walked in. But you had a reason for being there. I did. And that is. Friendship. Sure. Also, (laughs) the fact that I'm a delightful, fun person who's a hard worker. Also, we, based on something that happened last year. Yes. Following Sun Prairie, Mm -hmm. we made some comments about not having an opportunity to eat the cheesecake bars that were provided by one Mr. Elliot Fisher. Yes, which are now the cheesecake is now synonymous with the Sun Prairie tournament. Correct. We did not have an opportunity to eat those. We mentioned it, I feel, casually. On the podcast. Elliot would disagree. (laughs) Elliot blew things out of proportion and thought we were criticizing him and that we didn't have a good time because of the cheesecake. And what did he do? He made us our own cheesecake. He made us our own cheesecake. A couple weeks later, following the winter exec board meeting, you showed up with cheesecake. Yep. And we ate it. And it it was was amazing. Well, I ate a very small portion. I ate two pieces and <laughs> it was so good that we knew we had to do, to do something special. Yes. As a, as a, we needed to on level with his reaction to our, what was barely a critique of his tournament, not having enough cheesecake for us. We wanted to do a gesture that was similarly grand. So on the way home from the tournament last weekend on the bus, I turned to Kurt and I said, you know what I think I might do for Elliot next weekend? I think I might bake him a cheesecake just as like a, a little nod to when he baked one for us last year. And you decided that, you know what? I'm going to bake one too. 
Um, I I take issue with your story to a small degree, which okay. is that we had already been chatting about making a cheesecake. I know, remember? but we like decided like, officially. I was gonna like d- help with the decoration, and you were yeah. gonna bake it. And then it was on the bus ride last week that we decided let's both make a cheesecake. Yes, because we would not have been able to do it together at the same right. time. Right, because so, life is not like so that. So we both made cheesecakes. Yes, it was your idea. I will give you the credit Thank for the you. idea. Um. But then I ruined it because I delivered my cheesecake without you. In you know, the I wasn't going to bring it up. But well, I, did, you know what? The, you ruined the bit. The the tension is still in the air. When we got to the tournament, Kurt walked off with his team to sit elsewhere. I was talking to my kids and I'd already been sitting on the bus seat with the heater underneath it. So I was really worried about my cheesecake. So I wanted to get it delivered to Elliot. So I walked in into the tab room while he was very busy and just was like, here. I made you a cheesecake. Don't do this. Don't use the podcast to justify your actions. Tulane, I just I didn't did. go sit down with my kids. No, you I was went giving to go them where their kids were sitting down. You didn't and go- then I went to the tab room and I was like, oh, where's Melissa? I got to find Melissa so we can go give the cheesecakes to Elliot. And it's going to be like a fun thing because we both made him a cheesecake. And then I, I find Melissa. She is, is she holding a cheesecake? Ladies and gentlemen of the podcast, is she holding a cheesecake? No, I was holding a donut. No, the cheesecake is gone. The cheesecake is gone. And the bit was ruined. I'm sorry. You ruined the bit. So Kurt and I are actually still fighting right now. If That's there's correct. tension in the podcast, you can sense it. That's what's there. We're going to work through it, though, because we have a really good professional working relationship. And, you know, I think that we can get through this. We'll see. Only we'll time out. will tell. Yeah. But otherwise, it was a really great day. As always, the Sun Prairie Tournament is a great eye opener for our students because we don't it's the only tournament in the Madison area that we participate in. And so they get to see what the top really the top teams in the in the state are doing. And well, I think we've talked about this before, but Madison is just booming. It is a power. Their teams, all every team in that area is just pushing itself and each other to be better and they're getting larger and it it just feels like the activity is so much more popular there right now than it is where we are Um, or even like Milwaukee which has traditionally been like where it's been the most popular Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's just it's one incredibly cool to see yes I love it feels really good all of those teams just like bringing it no matter what like size of school they are or um you know how how big their teams are like you can tell they're all interested in being competitive and putting in the work and i think that that's amazing and two it's incredibly annoying because they are all so good (laughs) and it just doesn't seem fair it doesn't but they are fantastic Mm mm-hmm so. And we like them. We like seeing them. Exactly. It's fun competition. We'll take it. Exactly. So um, before we move into the interview portion of uh, today's episode, do you want to say what the best thing you saw this week was? Yeah. The best thing that I saw this week, I judged a round of radio announcing and uh, I judged a young lady where like two minutes into her performance, the thing I wrote on her critique sheet was what you are doing right now is what most coaches imagine to be the perfect radio announcing performance. It was just wow. so professional. It was so well paced. You I, like in, in our state and radio announcing, you don't look at the competitor, but I could hear the smile in her voice as she was saying things that were lighthearted. She had an appropriately serious tone for the serious stories that she was reading. Her commercial was delightful without being overwhelming. It was great. I loved it. Her name is Ella. She's from Madison West. I think she got fourth yesterday in the end, but again, radio announcing is incredibly competitive in the Madison area, like a lot of categories are, 
but she was delightful. And it was just, it was one of those, another critique sheet where at the bottom I just wrote, thank you, because now I know what in my head a perfect radio announcing performance looks like. Well, congratulations to Ella. Way to go, Ella. Thank you. Nice. Um, my best thing I saw this week was from the one round I got to judge. It was a poetry round, mm-hmm. which I will say was very promising. Good. It was really nice to to leave the round thinking like, okay, talented kids, good pieces, some not as polished as others. Um, but there was one piece in particular uh, from a Sun Prairie kid, Alexander Crossan. Um, who did a program of poetry that I really, really enjoyed. And I don't want to give too many details because I don't want to trigger yeah, yeah, somebody's yeah. memory in the future. Mm-hmm. And then they like it because I said I liked it or dis- or judge it more harshly because I said I liked it. Um, but this program of poetry was just uh, appropriately varied. And uh, Alexander just had just kind of that natural storyteller ability. And so... There were lots of different skills on display, but none of them felt forced. Um, and I found out that he is actually from Sun Prairie. And so when Elliot saw that I had judged him, he was like, oh, isn't Alexander great? And I was like, in fact, he was. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, he went over time, so I could not give him my yeah. best score. And it was so close to it. it was like when I stopped the clock, it was eight minutes and 18 seconds. Mm. And I always take off a couple seconds because I think like, well, it took me a second to like realize the piece was done and then go stop my stopwatch. So I always try to give that back to the kid, especially mm-hmm. if it's close. But it was like, oh, no, even if I give those couple seconds back, it's still like eight, it's 16, still over yeah. time. So close. Um, but Alexander went on to be in the final round, which means and in poetry yesterday, that meant you went like. One one two. two one one or two two one and had certain reciprocals. Yeah, because it, it was, was insane. it was a dirty break because it was either going to be four kids or nine kids. Um, so that, and they sent they were able to find a way to make five go, um, which I think was the right decision. Yep. And um, so they uh, they did that and Alexander made it in. I forget if he was in the top three or not, but. Um, Again, in poetry, again, what you had to do to get into the top five yeah. was insane. So uh, congratulations to him. I loved it. It was the best thing I saw this week. Great. Great. Well, uh, so with that being said, we are now going to call our very special guests so that we can talk about uh, the National Speech and Debate Association's um, efforts to draw more attention to Black History Month. Uh, thank you guys both so much for coming on Forensics Faces. We're excited to chat with you. Um, Nicole, thank you for reaching out and asking if we could have this conversation about something that's really important. Do you want to start, Nicole, by just uh, telling us a little bit more about yourself and your connection to the NSDA? And um, as we kind of say, we always ask for like, what's your forensics story? So um, right now I'm the director of development for the National Speech Debate Association. So my job is to work with sponsors and advertisers and people wanting to spread speech and debate through the NSDA to find a good home for their funds. But I'm a lifelong member who started speech and debate in a high school in Wisconsin and uh, did it like all things because my mom made me (laughs) and then went on to debate in college and uh, to be a coach and then just kind of 
wanted to keep doing more with speech and debate and found other ways besides coaching to use some of my talents to try to um, make it accessible to more students. That is awesome. And then Byron, do you want to give us a little bit about your welcoming into our world? Sure. Um, well, like, um, like Nicole, I'm a, um, I guess you'd say I'm a lifelong member. Um, I actually started debate in high school as a sophomore at Holy Cross School in New Orleans, um, competed there, um, thought that I was going to be a band director. Um, that changed. Um, I ended up being a debate <laughs> coach at Jesuit High School in New Orleans. Uh, got out of education for a bit. Um, have been in corporate communications and marketing. Um, I'm an attorney, but I keep coming back to, um, to this activity. And so I'm, I'm back at my alma mater, Holy Cross, where I've been now for the last seven years. Um, you know, very proud member of the, of, of the NSDA, um, excited about a lot of its, um, its programs and, and just see a lot of wonderful things happening for, um, for young people. That's awesome. I mean, it's really hard to leave forensic. None of us really truly leave. Most everyone just goes away for a little while and finds their way back. So. Right. <laughs> so, Nicole, why why is it you reached out to chat with us today? Well, as a former Wisconsin person, I totally nerd out on your podcast. So that's <laughs> a big part. It's like a, a dream to talk with you two and know your real people and not just voices talking to me on my commute to work. <laughs> We're flattered. Um, but really, I... Uh, I think what the NSBA does all the time is try to create resources to connect, support, and inspire educators to empower their students. And the Black History Month resources we've put together is just another example of that. And you don't have to be a member to use it. It's a free website, but it's got so many powerful tournament resources, classroom resources. And then I think what is the best thing we did is the Spark Leaders poster series with quotes and um, pictures of inspirational Black alumni from speech and debate. And it includes like Dr. Thomas Freeman, who was a teacher of MLK Jr. and the coach of Barbara Johnson and ranges down to um, Cornelia Frazier, who won public forum last year as the first black woman on the final round stage. And all of these people's stories are just, you know, a snapshot of what speech and debate can do for a variety of students. And it's an easy, downloadable, printable thing for every teacher in the country to be able to put up around their building to recruit students and to show off what magic happens when you all give up your Friday nights and Saturdays and Sundays weeknights and all of the other hours that go into it to make speech and debate happen. Yeah. The poster series is we were obviously in order to prepare for the podcast, we're looking through them and it was so awesome to get to see like, as you're going through them it, for people who are former students, especially it was listing why their face might be recognizable to you. And it's because a lot of them are, national stage finalists. And so getting to say, oh, that was that really amazing oratory that I've made my students watch like 30 times since she performed it. Uh, and actually some of those students are people who are on 
college competitive teams with students of, of mine. And so getting to see them and also getting to put names to faces of people that we've seen on the national circuit when we go to the national tournaments and the, the quotes that were chosen are just so powerful and were are just great lessons to get to see and also getting to bolster up voices, especially in, in an area like ours where there aren't a lot of, of prominent African-Americans being bolstered around to our students. It's good to be able to have a resource to show them, Hey, like, maybe take a second and check out these posters that we're going to have hanging around our school to help promote this. And Byron, you're one of the people who's featured on the posters. Um, and I, I had a chance to uh, spend some time listening uh, on the NSDA website to uh, the speech that you gave at the inclusion and diversity. Uh, I don't know if it was the caucus or the presentation, um, I understand there was also a black caucus uh, that Jennifer Jerome introduced us to uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. She was on the podcast. She talked about that and introduced us to that. Um, but I mean, what was the impetus for for doing this? Where where did the desire come from to actively make uh, the black community and forensics more visible now? Well, and if I can take you back, um, and I and I think I might have mentioned this in my in my talk earlier. Um, I remember the days when there were very few um, coaches of color that were traveling the national circuit. Um, three of us, probably. Um, and then, but what I I, I know um, would be two things. One that there were um, there are lots of talented men and women of color that have so much passion and so much knowledge to add to young people of all colors. And then the second thing is when you think about the transformative nature of this activity, that way, and when you look at the struggles of uh, men and women of color in high school or, or boys and girls of color, particularly um, young black males, um, there's no better activity than speech and debate um, that is going to give them um, so much of what they need, critical thinking skills, um, a, a peer group that is in a community that is supportive, that is challenging, that is positive, that is forward-looking, um, giving them an interest in school that the regular day-to-day of going to classes just simply does not um, accomplish. And, and the literature, um, when you look back at, at what urban debate leagues have done, for example, the literature is so clear that, um, that young people of color, um, people who are at risk, um, have a much greater chance of graduating high school in four years and going on to college by participation in this activity. And so what... Uh, Looking at the reasons why um, we don't have more role models um, who are people of color that are willing to coach teams um, and thus not having nearly as many young people of color who are taking advantage of what it has to offer, um, there needed to be an intentional effort on the part of the leaders to, to spark that kind of interest. And that's one of the great things that NSDA has done. Um, it has taken that leadership role and brought a lot of innovative and passionate people together um, to figure out 
how to grow the numbers of um, people of color um, and women in this particular activity. Is that something that came out of uh, the caucuses from a couple years ago, or is this uh, an effort that's been ongoing for some time? Well, I would I would submit to you that um, the caucus is really the place that was going to make this happen. Um, there were lots of individual and side conversations that were happening. I know in, in terms of my um, my peer group of of coaches, um, people that I've that I've been with for a long time. Um, Aaron Timmons from Green Hill School, Jonathan Alston from Newark Science in New Jersey. Um, and then there are those smaller conversations. But then, meanwhile, you add in voices like Dr. Tommy Lindsay, who's in California, and Dr. Michael Edmonds, who is, in, um, who is at Colorado College. And so bringing those voices together um, in a way that there is some, um, that there's some group thought um, that there's some design to it, um, and that there are some really um, powerful statements that the NSDA, um, uh, along with, with with entities like Wiley College, have been able to turn this into um, an action plan. Well, and last year's nationals, we had four coach caucuses. So we had the Black African American Coach Caucus, the Hispanic Latinx women and gender non-conforming and LGBTQ plus coach caucuses, and they each uh, provided reports and recommendations. And in this upcoming rostrum, you'll see the some of the changes that came as a result of those recommendations. So uh, the leadership, which our board of directors is wonderful, really took into took to heart a lot of the feedback we'd gotten from a long time, but in particular from these coach caucuses and in the strategic plan this summer, wrote inclusion in as a core value of the organization. The directors, so the staff and the leaders work together to go through the specific recommendations and we've outlined in this rostrum some of the promises we are making to the community by June of what we will have done based off of those recommendations to try to move the ticker. And I I mean, I I can't speak for all of the staff on the board, but I feel like it's safe to say that we all know this is really important. We know that we need to put a lot of effort and thought into it. And so are trying, and we know we are going to make tons of mistakes and are ready to be told Mm. how to do it better next time. So the, you know, the Black History Month uh, resources are one example of we're really proud of the time and work that went into it, but we're constantly looking for feedback of how we could have done it better, should have done it better, and will do it better. Have you gotten any feedback since they came out? So far, it's been really positive. We've had a lot of people comment on the posters. There's been people who have been um, featured on the posters who have said, oh, one of them posted on Facebook that she felt like it was her way to stand up for other students because she was told that kids shouldn't do speech and debate. And this is an example of many stories where uh, their voices are important and speech and debate is better for them being a part of it. Um, we haven't 
heard yet, uh, or I haven't of any teachers using the resources, the impromptu prompts, the Congress bills, uh, the accept questions, but I'm hoping that's just a matter of time and as folks were building their, you know, their lesson plans will incorporate it in. We've gotten quite a bit of downloads so we can watch the statistics of seeing that there's a lot of activity on the page, but don't know for sure what's happening after that. But I'm very hopeful that this is a good place for people to start. Yeah, as someone who's going to be hosting a tournament at the end of this month, I was really excited to see the impromptu prompts and the extemp questions, which I am going to 100% be using for our competition. Uh, and yeah. was really excited to be able to have something like that at my fingertips. I was created by someone with the experience uh, to be able to put something out for my students and getting to know that there'll be students who will get to see that in round and be really excited. So I promise to provide my feedback after my tournament is done at the end of the month. <laughs> so I guess I'm curious, you know, I love that this is happening. I love that it's happening now. Um, is there any sense of what you're hoping it leads to? Um, is there, uh, you know, a timeline for what you're hoping uh, to see achieved as, as a part of these efforts? And I guess really, you know, the full question would be like, you know, where have we been? Where are we now? And where are we hoping we go as we actually put some time and energy into, into creating these resources and distributing them um, and creating more awareness? The tough question. Um, I think where we have been and where we are now is a place where many people believe speech and debate is powerful. And we know we are failing to get this powerful activity into enough students' hands. And there are students who who just, this could make all the difference. And I, I worked with some very poor schools in Dallas where the extracurricular option was National Honor Society or the debate team. And without the debate team, those students would have no other way to to use their energies outside of the academic classroom. We've all heard students who have said this is the first time they really feel heard or the first time they feel smart, the first time they connect with an author or a piece that speaks to them and helps them better understand the world and themselves. And so where we're going is to make sure that speech and debate is a accessible and welcoming place to all students and especially the students who need it most. So I don't, I don't know what that timeline is. I wish it, I could say in five years, every high school and middle school and elementary school will have it. But I, I do know that we're, we have, as an organization, we're trying to listen to experts at all times and a lot of the expertise in this is our coaches and students who are now alumni reaching back and saying these are small and big things that would have made a difference in keeping them in the activity and making them feel more welcome and making success more um, accessible to them and kind of reaching our goal as an organization, our mission of making membership something accessible for every student in the U.S. 
And, and if I might add something to that, last week um, I, we had an opportunity to hear Dr. Michael Edmonds um, address the key coaches of the Barclay Forum at Emory. And uh, his address uh, was about time. And, uh, you know, two of his points were um, the time is now and time is running out. And uh, I, I think where we are as a country, um, it, it really, the, the time is now for us to begin to have challenging conversations about really tough issues. And uh, it's something that concerns me that um, the general public is not equipped to have those tough conversations. The people who are, who are equipped to have those conversations are our kids, um, the young people who are, in, um, who are in debate and speech. And for me, um, there's never been a more important time to bring in young people um, to equip them with the confidence and to give them the platform to have that conversation. And whether you're doing original oratory or Congress or impromptu or dramatic, or whether you are a Lincoln Douglas debater or a public forum debater, um, how powerful is it for a 17 year old to figure out where her voice is and to give her an opportunity to, um, to use it. And, you know, this series and this effort, um, is timely. Um, it has, and it has never been more important than it is now. There was so much nodding happening while you were saying all that 100% agree. That's one of the best things about forensics is helping kids find their voice and in more ways than one. And so getting to see more resources like this is really exciting. Yeah, I guess the only other question I have, and I, I certainly want to give you guys some time to just share any thoughts you have as well. Um, but, you know, what, what was really exciting about Nicole reaching out to us uh, was the topic of this. Uh, but we also had to immediately recognize the fact that, like, Melissa and I are pasty white kids from Wisconsin. Yep. Um, and so uh, w what, in your opinion, what can we be doing? What what should we know um, as people who are invested in this idea, but because of our upbringing, we don't we don't have the experience. We don't have the knowledge uh, we don't have the intimate knowledge of the experience of growing up as a person of color, but how can we engage young people of color? What can we be doing? I think there are a couple things. Um, I think the most important thing is um, don't ever run from the fact that they are people of color. Um, you know, I, I think that sometimes we try so hard to to have people of color be comfortable by not talking about color. And I think it's just the opposite. Um, if you are, um, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge who I am, right? And because that color means that I have a wide range of experiences, then, you know, that, that's an important starting point of the conversation, okay? If you acknowledge me, and who I am in my background, then now I 
am comfortable enough to be vulnerable to have that conversation with you. Um, I think the second thing is to do a lot of listening, you know, you know, be, be receptive to the story that, um, that is being told, um, familiarize yourself with some of the literature that is, is there. And, and I think the third piece is just approach it with honesty, just as you did when you asked the, 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 the question, you know, you referred to yourself as, as pasty white people. I would <laughs> never call you that. Um, I guess, um, not, not to, to your face. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I would never <laughs> call you that, but you 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 acknowledge from once from whence you come and and it's that type of honesty that really helps those conversations to um begin the great thing about teaching um and about teaching in this era is we don't have to have all of the answers we just have to demonstrate to young people that we love them enough and that we're patient enough to travel down the road to whatever answer there is. Yeah, we're clutching our chests. That was beautiful. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you that NSCA is hoping to help uh, make that a little bit easier. One of the promises we're making by June is to put together a list of folks or uh, webinars that we'll put out on our website where coaches can take it to gain a little bit of cultural competence. So some training that's contextualized between, within speech and debate, but from outside perspectives um, that will provide, I mean, it, it's just a hard thing to do, but we have lots of coaches who want to learn more. And so the NSDA wants to try to provide some places for that to happen. And we're hoping to unveil what will be a good course for the 18-19 school year. And now, Nicole, with the and, other and practices can, that were happening, can we I'm expect sorry. other resources like this from other groups that are feeling underrepresented in our association? Yeah, I mean, the one of the things we're doing this month is to track what is what was successful and what would be useful in other months and then try to find other ways to handle it. I mean, as someone who identifies Hispanic Latinx, I would love to see more resources during Hispanic Heritage Month, but I can't say that the same resources for Black History Month would make the same sense for Hispanic Heritage Month or for other things. So it's about us trying to hear from individuals, what would be the most helpful to feel, have more students feel welcome and to allow um, coaches to be able to cause these um, critical conversations a little more easily. So I don't know that every month or group will see something just like this, but our hope is that we can find something that has the same effect for them and keep building to become a more inclusive organization. That's awesome. I love that. And if I can go back to the previous question um, about um, pasty white people, um, (laughs) I I think I would add, you know, certainly 
if you honestly find yourself in that situation, um, then any of the coaches of color, people from the caucus, you know, myself, reach out to us, right? We're happy to, um, I know I can tell you personally, I'm happy to, to, to be a resource for any of your, any of your teachers that may want to consider how to, um, you know, how to introduce these discussions. Um, because the funny thing for me is that, um, in some of the classes that I teach, um, I've got a class of 17 young men. Um, there is one person of color and, and we have very challenging, um, conversations about race. And so I come from the other side of, of that. Um, and it's been, um, it's been really interesting having those, um, discussions. So, um, if, if you think I can help, um, be Arthur at holycrosstigers.com, drop me an email. Um, and I'm happy to, um, to share my experiences with you and my thoughts about how to, um, conduct those conversations. I appreciate that. That's thank you. Um, you know, one of the things uh, about the forensics community that we love is that it does feel like a community, especially among its coaches. Uh, and so uh, I, I had a feeling that people probably would have been reaching out to you either way. But I'm so happy that you, <laughs> that you offered that, that you gave the email. So thank you. Um, anything else that you guys want to add about this program in, uh, specifically or forensics in general? Um, you know, I think the one thing that I would add in that really um, concerns, not concerns me, but I would hope that we would continue to do is to think about who's the next, what's the next generation of, 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 of strong educators look like? Um, what are we doing to um, encourage them? What are we doing to make them, um, who's, who's the person in our building that might be our successor when we leave, you know, strong businesses, um, good organizations always have a succession, a succession plan. And that leader, um, if, if she is smart, um, has probably begun to think about who will one day occupy her chair. Um, and I think that as, as coaches in, in programs, we don't always do that. Um, and I think that, um, encouraging more people, um, to become involved in grooming and mentoring the next generation of coach coaches with an eye towards inclusion, um, is something that I, I would hope would be a high priority. I mean, I just got to say thank you to all of the coaches. I was a speech and debate made all the difference in my life. Um, And we, as leadership, did our whys and why we do what we do. And my why was my sister was in kindergarten and was going to be tracked into special ed classes because she literally didn't understand the instructions the teacher gave her because we were a Spanish-speaking household. And it was my mom's broken English that kind of advocated for her. And that was when my mom decided that all of her children would do debate because that's what President Kennedy did, so that made sense. Um, and my, my high school speech and debate coaches just... I couldn't imagine having survived 
to become an adult without them. And when I say them, I mean the two coaches at Nicolet, but I also mean all of the community of Wisconsin coaches. I remember so mm-hmm. vividly all of those local tournaments and traveling to the Glenbrooks in a bus with Brookfield Central and having rivalries with Sheboygan and Nina schools and keeping track of what was going on with Appleton East to try to figure out how far I would get in the (laughs) national qualifiers. I mean, it's like all of these names and some of the names have changed, but the, the game is really the same. It's a local community trying to get students on national recognition so that they can feel like they are as good as they are. And so I just want to thank all of the people still doing it in Wisconsin and everywhere else, because I'm sure there's other kids like me where you have no idea how much staying after school means to them. Uh, You know, and I think the other thing to kind of, you know, to piggyback, if you will, for lack of a better term, off of what Nicole is saying, um, being an old man, which I am, um, I often sit with um, another buddy of mine, and we both graduated high school in 1983, and we talk about what tournaments were like back then. And we talk about, you know, there's a lot of love at tournaments. Um, and when I look at it in 2018, there's still a lot of love at tournaments. And it's the interesting place where, um, you know, you might not be friends with the, the head cheerleader at your school or the quarterback of the football team at your school. But when that quarterback or that head cheerleader from another school comes to do speech, then you, you are friends with them. Um, and it's such a, a, an unbelievable experience beyond the winning of trophies um, beyond any of that, it's just the, 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 the place where the human spirit has, has just, uh, um, the opportunity to soar. And when I think about, um, that little guy or gal who is, is, is living in poverty today, or, um, is in an environment where, um, he or she does not have someone encouraging them and uplifting them, then to me, it's just so important to bring them into a community that will, um, that will love them and nurture them, um, and put them on the the launching pad to, um, success. It's amazing how many conversations we have on this podcast come back to that, that feeling that you just described that, that feeling of togetherness Mm. and community and really as corny as it is to say so much of what we talk about on this podcast comes back to the love Uh, of the activity and the love of the people who do the activity um, and that it is an environment where, where we can learn to love each other and, and get faced with people who we wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to spend any time with. So thank you for that reminder because it it really is why we all do what we do. I was out of it for a little while um, for a few years. And, and when I reflect and now that I've gotten back into it again, I realized that when I was gone, um, I'm not so sure that um, it was the circus I was missing, but I sure was missing all the clowns. Um, <laughs> and, 
and, and this activity has plenty of them. Um, Two but of them they, on this podcast. They, they certainly bring a lot of joy. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys both so much for taking the time out to talk about this specific topic. Um, I certainly hope we can have you both back on in the future to maybe talk just more about your own uh, forensics lives and experiences, because you guys both sound like you have some fun stories that our listeners would enjoy. And Melissa and I just always love talking about forensics, no matter what the topic is. So we'll gladly chat for a long time. Feel free to call. I'm, I'm I'm always happy to talk about this. Thank you so much. And thank you, Nicole, for setting this up. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for having us. That was so great. I'm so glad that Nicole reached out to us on our Facebook page and suggested. She just wanted us to talk about the resources, but obviously Kurt and I wanted to pull in people who were more experienced and obviously better representative of the community that the resources are for and about. And so we were so glad that she got to get Byron onto the call with us. And I, he better mean that. Cause I want to interview that man. Absolutely, <laughs> he, I know. Right? Like, like guys, I'm not kidding. Kurt and I were just like staring at each other, like overcome, like so moved by his words. I can't imagine what getting to interview him for like an entire hour would be like. And so Kurt, Remind us, how do we access these resources that we were talking about? You, well, you can do what I did, which is always just to use Google. Um, <laughs> like I just typed in NSDA Black History Month and the page popped right up. Otherwise, you can go to speechanddebate.org forward slash black dash history dash month. And you, they will pop right up for you. Um, all of the posters that they referenced, as well as uh, the author and playwrights uh, resources and uh, the tournament resources, Congress legislation, extent practice questions, impromptu prompts, uh, so on and so forth, um, are all there for you right in uh, right on the website. And it's available. Uh, you will have to sign in. You do have to be a member of the NSDA, but it is not a part of the special resources package. Yep. You just got to be a member of the NSDA. So as long as you are a member of the NSDA, you have access to all of this on their website. Um, it's excellent. The posters are really, really well They're done. They're so cool. Even if you don't have a reason to put them up somewhere, go read them because the quotes from uh, people of all uh, ages and walks of life uh, who happen to have one thing in common. And it's that they are people of color who participated in speech and debate. Um, They have some really wonderful, uplifting things to say. Yeah. I want to, I just want to read one of them. Friend of the pod, Jackie Young speech and debate is a life skill, not just a speech skill. Active participation and in this program changes lives forever through walking in the shoes of giants. Ladies yes. and gentlemen, Jackie Young. So please take some time to check it out. Uh, if you, I recommend looking through all the posters, of course, but some of those videos that are posted, especially the video, the, the talk that Byron gave at the caucus is great. So go check it out. And again, thank you so much to Nicole and Byron for making that happen with us. That yes, was thank you guys. such a delight. Uh, and yeah, so we're, we're wrapping up now. It's, Absolutely. It's on the other side of the podcast is Drag Race. Like, yeah, it's Sunday. <laughs> um, which is, you know, important to yeah, us as well. It's important it's to like, us as well. Like the other things in life that bring us joy. We love forensics, but also we have to go watch RuPaul's Drag Race. So it's time to start our engines. <laughs> Thanks so much guys for listening. And we will chat at you again next week. Bye. Bye. Forensics Faces is recorded and edited in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hammeister. 
If you're a fan of Forensics Faces, give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find more info, including a link to purchase official Forens of the Pod merchandise at ForensicsFaces.com. And please connect with us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Forensics Faces. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa. Encourage you to listen. Think. And speak. Preferably in that order. Preferably in that order.